Chapter One of La Bas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. La Bas by Jory Karl Heismans. Translated by Keen Wallace. Chapter One. You believe pretty thoroughly in these things, or you wouldn't abandon the Eternal Triangle and the other stock subjects of the modern novelists to write the story of Gilles de Ré and after a silence des hermies added i do not object to the latrine hospital and workshop vocabulary of naturalism for one thing the subject matter requires some such diction again zola in l'assommoir has shown that a heavy-handed artist can slap words together hit or miss and give an effect of tremendous power i do not really care how the naturalists maltreat language but i do strenuously object to the earthiness of their ideas they have made our literature the incarnation of materialism and they glorify the democracy of art say what you will their theory is pitiful and their tight little method squeezes all the life out of them filth and the flesh they're all in all they deny wonder and reject the extra sensual i don't believe they would know what you meant if you told them that artistic curiosity begins at the very point where the senses leave off you shrug your shoulders but tell me how much has naturalism done to clear up life's really troublesome mysteries when an ulcer of the soul or indeed the most benign little pimple is to be probed naturalism can do nothing appetite and instinct seem to be its sole motivation and rut and brainstorm its chronic states the field of naturalism is the region below the umbilicus oh it's a hernia clinic and it offers the soul a truss i tell you durtal it's superficial quackery and that isn't all this fetid naturalism eulogizes the atrocities of modern life and flatters our positively american ways it ecstasizes over brute force and apotheosizes the cash register with amazing humility it defers to the nauseating taste of the mob it repudiates style it rejects every ideal every aspiration towards the supernatural and the beyond it is so perfectly representative of bourgeois thought that it might be sired by homais and damned by lisa the butcher girl in ventre de paris heavens how you go after it said durtal somewhat piqued he lighted his cigarette and went on i am as much revolted by materialism as you are but that is no reason for denying the unforgettable services which naturalism has rendered it has demolished the inhuman puppets of romanticism and rescued our literature from the clutches of booby idealists and sex-starved old maids it has created visible and tangible human beings after balzac and put them in accord with their surroundings it has carried on the work which romanticism began of developing the language some of the naturalists have had the veritable gift of laughter a very few have had the gift of tears and in spite of what you say they have not all been carried away by an obsession for baseness yes they have they are in love with the age and that shows them up for what they are do you mean to tell me flaubert and the de concours were in love with the age of course not but those men were artists honest seditious and aloof and i put them in a class by themselves i will also grant that zola is a master of backgrounds and masses and that his tricky handling of people is unequalled then too thank god he has never followed out in his novels the theories enunciated in his magazine articles adulating the intrusion of positivism upon art but in the works of his best pupil rosny the only talented novelist who is really imbued with the ideas of the master 
naturalism has become a sickening jargon of chemist's slang serving to display a layman's erudition which is about as profound as the scientific knowledge of a shop foreman no there is no getting around it everything this whole poverty-stricken school has produced shows that our literature has fallen upon evil days the grovellers they don't rise above the moral level of the tumble-bug read the latest book what do you find simple anecdotes murder suicide and accident histories copied right out of the newspaper tiresome sketches and wormy tales all written in a colourless style and containing not the faintest hint of an outlook on life nor an appreciation of human nature when i have waded through one of these books its insipid descriptions and interminable harangues go instantly out of my mind and the only impression that remains is one of surprise that a man can write three or four hundred pages when he has absolutely nothing to reveal to us nothing to say if it's all the same to you de Hermie, let's speak of something else we shall never agree on the subject of naturalism as the very mention of it makes you see red what about this matei system of medicine your globules and electric files at least relieve a few sufferers Oomph. A little better than the panaceas of the codex though i can't say the effects are either lasting or sure but it serves like anything else and now i must run along the clock is striking ten and your concierge is coming to put out the hall light see you again very soon i hope good night when the door closed durtal put some more coke in the grate and resumed a comfortless train of thought aggravated by this too pertinent discussion with his friend for some months durtal had been trying to reassemble the fragments of a shattered literary theory which had once seemed inexpugnable and de hermie's opinions troubled him in spite of their exaggerated vehemence certainly if naturalism confined one to monotonous studies of mediocre persons and to interminable inventories of the objects in a drawing-room or a landscape an honest and clear-sighted artist would soon cease to produce and a less conscientious workman would be under the necessity of repeating himself over and over again to the point of nausea nevertheless durtal could see no possibilities for the novelist outside of naturalism were we to go back to the pyrotechnics of romanticism rewrite the lanuginous works of the cherbulier and feuillet tribe or worse yet imitate the lachrymose storiettes of terrier and georges Sand? then what was to be done and durtal with desperate determination set to work sorting out a tangle of confused theories and inchoate postulations he made no headway he felt but could not define he was afraid to definition of his present tendencies would plump him back into his old dilemma we must he thought retain the documentary veracity the precision of detail the compact and sinewy language of realism but we must also dig down into the soul and cease trying to explain mystery in terms of our sick senses if possible the novel ought to be compounded of two elements that of the soul and that of the body and these ought to be inextricably bound together as in life their interreactions their conflicts their reconciliation ought to furnish the dramatic interest in a word we must follow the road laid out once and for all by zola but at the same time we must trace a parallel route in the air by which we may go above and beyond a spiritual naturalism it must be complete powerful daring in a different way from anything that is being attempted at present perhaps as approaching my concept i may cite dostoyevsky yet that exorable russian is less an elevated realist than an evangelic socialist in france right now the purely corporal recipe has brought upon itself such discredit that two clans have arisen 
the liberal which prunes naturalism of all its boldness of subject matter and diction in order to fit it for the drawing-room and the decadent which gets completely off the ground and raves incoherently in a telegraphic patois intended to represent the language of the soul intended rather to divert the reader's attention from the author's utter lack of ideas as for the right-wing verists i can only laugh at the frantic puerilities of these would-be psychologists who have never explored an unknown district of the mind nor ever studied an unhackneyed passion they simply repeat the saccharine feuillet and the saline stendhal their novels are dissertations in schoolteacher style they don't seem to realize that there is more spiritual revelation in that one reply of old hulot in balzac's cousine bette can't i take the little girl along than in all their doctoral theses we must expect of them no idealistic straining toward the infinite for me then the real psychologist of this century is not their stendhal but that astonishing earnest hello whose unrelenting unsuccess is simply miraculous he began to think that des hermies was right in the present disorganized state of letters there was but one tendency which seemed to promise better things the unsatisfied need for the supernatural was driving people in default of something loftier to spiritism and the occult now his thoughts carried him away from his dissatisfaction with literature to the satisfaction he had found in another art in painting his ideal was completely realized by the primitives these men in italy germany and especially in flanders had manifested the amplitude and purity of vision which are the property of saintliness in authentic and patiently accurate settings they pictured beings whose postures were caught from life itself and the illusion was compelling and sure from these heads common enough many of them and these physiognomies often ugly but powerfully evocative emanated celestial joy or acute anguish spiritual calm or turmoil the effect was of matter transformed by being distended or compressed to afford an escape from the senses into remote infinity durtal's introduction to this naturalism had come as a revelation the year before although he had not then been so weary as now of fin de siècle silliness in germany before a crucifixion by matthias grunewald he had found what he was seeking he shuddered in his armchair and closed his eyes as if in pain with extraordinary lucidity he revisualized the picture and the cry of admiration wrung from him when he had entered the little room of the castle museum was re-echoing in his mind as here in his study the christ rose before him formidable on a rude cross of barky wood the arm an untrimmed branch bending like a bow under the weight of the body this branch seemed about to spring back and mercifully hurl afar from our cruel sinful world the suffering flesh held to earth by the enormous spike piercing the feet dislocated almost ripped out of their sockets the arms of the christ seemed trammelled by the knotty cords of the straining muscles the laboured tendons of the armpits seemed ready to snap the fingers wide apart were contorted in an arrested gesture in which were supplication and reproach but also benediction the trembling thighs were greasy with sweat the ribs were like staves or like the bars of a cage the flesh swollen blue mottled with flea bites specked as with pinpricks by spines broken off from the rods of the scourging and now festering beneath the skin where they had penetrated parlance was at hand the fluvial wound in the side dripped thickly inundating the thigh with blood that was like congealing mulberry juice milky pus which yet was somewhat reddish something like the colour of grey moselle oozed from the chest and ran down over the abdomen and the loin-cloth 
the knees had been forced together and the rotuli touched but the lower legs were held wide apart though the feet were placed one on top of the other these beginning to putrefy were turning green beneath a river of blood spongy and blistered they were horrible the flesh tumefied swollen over the head of the spike and the gripping toes with the horny blue nails contradicted the imploring gesture of the hands turning that benediction into a curse and as the hands pointed heavenward so the feet seemed to cling to earth to that ochre ground ferruginous like the purple soil of thuringia above this eruptive cadaver the head tumultuous enormous encircled by a disordered crown of thorns hung down lifeless one lacklustre eye half opened as a shudder of terror or of sorrow traversed the expiring figure the face was furrowed the brow seamed the cheeks blanched all the drooping features wept while the mouth unnerved its under jaw racked by titanic contractions laughed atrociously the torture had been terrific and the agony had frightened the mocking executioners into flight against a dark blue night sky the cross seemed to bow down almost to touch the ground with its tip while two figures one on each side kept watch over the christ one was the virgin wearing a hood the colour of mucous blood over a robe of wan blue her face was pale and swollen with weeping and she stood rigid as one who buries his fingernails deep into his palms and sobs the other figure was that of saint john like a gypsy or sunburnt swabian peasant very tall his beard matted and tangled his robe of a scarlet stuff cut in wide strips like slabs of bark his mantle was a chamois yellow the lining caught up at the sleeves showed a feverish yellow as of unripe lemons spent with weeping but possessed of more endurance than mary who was yet erect but broken and exhausted he had joined his hands and in an access of outraged loyalty had drawn himself up before the corpse which he contemplated with his red and smoky eyes while he choked back the cry which threatened to rend his quivering throat ah this coarse tear-compelling calvary was at the opposite pole from those debonair golgothas adopted by the church ever since the renaissance this lockjaw christ was not the christ of the rich the adonis of galilee the exquisite dandy the handsome youth with the curly brown tresses divided beard and insipid doll-like features whom the faithful have adored for four centuries this was the christ of justin basil cyril tertullian the christ of the apostolic church the vulgar christ ugly with the assumption of the whole burden of our sins and clothed through humility in the most abject of forms it was the christ of the poor the christ incarnate in the image of the most miserable of us he came to save the christ of the afflicted of the beggar of all those on whose indigence and helplessness the greed of their brother battens the human christ frail of flesh abandoned by the father until such time as no further torture was possible the christ with no recourse but his mother to whom then powerless to aid him he had like every man in torment cried out with an infant's cry in an unsparing humility doubtless he had willed to suffer the passion with all the suffering permitted to the human senses and obeying an incomprehensible ordination he in the time of the scourging and of the blows and of the insults spat in his face had put off divinity nor had he resumed it when after these preliminary mockeries he entered upon the unspeakable torment of the unceasing agony thus dying like a thief like a dog basely vilely physically 
he had sunk himself to the deepest depth of fallen humanity and had not spared himself the last ignominy of putrefaction never before had naturalism transfigured itself by such a conception and execution never before had a painter so charnally envisaged divinity nor so brutally dipped his brush into the wounds and running sores and bleeding nail-holes of the saviour grunewald had passed all measure he was the most uncompromising of realists but his morgue redeemer his sewer deity let the observer know that realism could be truly transcendent a divine light played about that ulcerated head a superhuman expression illuminated the fermenting skin of the epileptic features this crucified corpse was a very god and without aureole without nimbus with none of the stock accoutrements except the blood-sprinkled crown of thorns jesus appeared in his celestial super-essence between the stunned grief-torn virgin and a saint john whose calcined eyes were beyond the shedding of tears these faces by nature vulgar were resplendent transfigured with the expression of the sublime grief of those souls whose plaint is not heard thief pauper and peasant had vanished and given place to supra-terrestrial creatures in the presence of their god grunewald was the most uncompromising of idealists never had artists known such magnificent exultation none had ever so resolutely bounded from the summit of spiritual altitude to the rapt orb of heaven he had gone to the two extremes from the rankest weeds of the pit he had extracted the finest essence of charity the mordant liquor of tears in this canvas was revealed the masterpiece of an art obeying the unopposable urge to render the tangible and the invisible to make manifest the crying impurity of the flesh and to make sublime the infinite distress of the soul it was without its equivalent in literature a few pages of anne emmerich upon the passion though comparatively attenuated approached this ideal of supernatural realism and of veridic and exurrected life perhaps too certain effusions of Riesbrecht seeming to spurt forth in twin jets of black and white flame were worthy of comparison with the divine befoulment of grunewald hardly either grunewald's masterpiece remained unique it was at the same time infinite and of earth earthy but said durtal to himself rousing out of his reverie if i am consistent i shall have to come around to the catholicism of the middle ages to mystic naturalism ah oh, no i will not and yet perhaps i may here he was in the old dilemma how often before now had he halted on the threshold of catholicism sounding himself thoroughly and finding always that he had no faith decidedly there had been no effort on the part of god to reclaim him and he himself had never possessed the kind of will that permits one to let oneself go trustingly without reserve into the sheltering shadows of immutable dogma momentarily at times when after reading certain books his disgust for everyday life was accentuated he longed for lenitive hours in a cloister where the monotonous chant of prayers in an incense-laden atmosphere would bring on a somnolence a dreamy rapture of mystical ideas but only a simple soul on which life's wear and tear had left no mark was capable of savouring the delights of such a self-abandon and his own soul was battered and torn with earthly conflict he must admit that the momentary desire to believe to take refuge in the timeless proceeded from a multitude of ignoble motives from lassitude with the petty and repeated annoyances of existence quarrels with the laundress with the waiter with the landlord the sordid scramble for money 
in a word from the general spiritual failure of a man approaching forty he thought of escaping into a monastery somewhat as street girls think of going into a house where they will be free from the dangers of the chase from worry about food and lodging and where they will not have to do their own washing and ironing unmarried without settled income the voice of carnality now practically stilled in him he sometimes cursed the existence he had shaped for himself at times weary of attempting to coerce words to do his bidding he threw down his pen and looked into the future he could see nothing ahead of him but bitterness and cause for alarm and seeking consolation he was forced to admit that only religion could heal but religion demanded in return so arrant a desertion of common sense so pusillanimous a willingness to be astonished at nothing that he threw up his hands and begged off yet he was always playing with the thought indeed he could not escape it for though religion was without foundation it was also without limit and promised a complete escape from earth into dizzy unexplored altitudes then too durtal was attracted to the church by its intimate and ecstatic art the splendour of its legends and the radiant naivete of the histories of its saints he did not believe and yet he admitted the supernatural right here on earth how could any of us deny that we are hemmed in by mystery in our homes in the street everywhere when we came to think of it it was really the part of shallowness to ignore those extra-human relations and account for the unforeseen by attributing to fate the more than inexplicable did not a chance encounter often decide the entire life of a man what was love what the other incomprehensible shaping influences and knottiest enigma of all what was money there one found oneself confronted by primordial organic law atrocious edicts promulgated at the very beginning of the world and applied ever since the rules were precise and invariable money attracted money accumulating always in the same places going by preference to the scoundrelly and the mediocre when by an inscrutable exception it heaped up in the coffers of a rich man who was not a miser nor a murderer it stood idle incapable of resolving itself into a force for good however charitable the hands which fain would administer it one would say it was angry at having got into the wrong box and avenged itself by going into voluntary paralysis when possessed by one who was neither a sharper nor an ass it acted still more strangely when by some extraordinary chance it strayed into the home of a poor man immediately it defiled the clean debauched the chaste and acting simultaneously on the body and the soul it insinuated into its possessor a base selfishness an ignoble pride it suggested that he spend for himself alone it made the humble man a boor the generous man a skinflint in one second it changed every habit revolutionized every idea metamorphosed the most deeply rooted passions it was the instigator and vigilant accomplice of all the important sins if it permitted one of its detainers to forget himself and bestow a boon it awakened hatred in the recipient it replaced avarice with ingratitude and re-established equilibrium so that the account might balance and not one sin of commission be wanting but it reached its real height of monstrosity when concealing its identity under an assumed name it entitled itself capital then its action was not limited to individual incitation to theft and murder but extended to the entire human race with one word capital decided monopolies erected banks cornered necessities and if it wished caused thousands of human beings to starve to death and it grew and begot itself while slumbering in a safe and the two worlds adored it on bended knee dying of desire before it as before a god
well money was the devil otherwise its mastery of souls was inexplicable and how many other mysteries equally unintelligible how many other phenomena were there to make a reflective man shudder but thought durtal seeing that there are so many more things betwixt heaven and earth than are dreamed of in anybody's philosophy why not believe in the trinity why reject the divinity of christ it is no strain on one to admit the credo quia absurdum of saint augustine and tertullian and say that if the supernatural were comprehensible it would not be supernatural and that precisely because it passes the faculties of man it is divine and oh to hell with it what's it all about anyway and again as so often when he had found himself before this unbridgeable gulf between reason and belief he recoiled from the leap well his thoughts had strayed far from the subject of that naturalism so reviled by des hermies he returned to grunewald and said to himself that the great crucifixion was the masterpiece of an art driven out of bounds one need not go far in search of the extraterrestrial as to fall into perfervid catholicism perhaps spiritualism would give one all one required to formulate a supernaturalistic method he rose and went into his tiny workroom his pile of manuscript notes about the marshal de ray surnamed bluebeard looked at him derisively from the table where they were piled all the same he said it's good to be here in out of the world and above the limits of time to live in another age never read a newspaper not even know that the theatres exist ah what a dream to dwell with bluebeard and forget the grocer on the corner and all the other petty little criminals of an age perfectly typified by the cafe waiter who ravishes the boss's daughter the goose who lays the golden egg as he calls her so that she will have to marry him bed was a good place he added smiling for he saw his cat a creature with a perfect time sense regarding him uneasily as if to remind him of their common convenience and to reproach him for not having prepared the couch durtal arranged the pillows and pulled back the coverlet and the cat jumped to the foot of the bed but remained humped up tail coiled beneath him waiting till his master was stretched out at length before burrowing a little hollow to curl up in End of chapter one